The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections, and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. I am John, also known as Hi There Catsuit. Great to have you along for another wonderful edition, as we seem to be having amazing shows with pro-doms of late. And tonight is no exception, as we meet a statuesque dominatrix who creates wonderful pictures and beautiful mindfulness in every scene. Miss McKenzie is a professional dominatrix, certified erotic hypnotist, sexual wellness coach, and lifestyle and adult industry mentor, as well as an international BDSM and sex educator. She has been involved in the kink lifestyle for 20 years. She teaches a full range of subjects, including but not limited to energy and tantra, bondage, power exchange, hypnosis, sexuality, and the art of sadism, and really loves working with couples to enrich their intimacy and sex lives. Here now, Miss McKenzie on what women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. And as always, we start with the first five, five questions for Miss McKenzie. First time you didn't feel like you were the tallest one in a group. I don't know if that's ever happened. I typically tend to be like the Amazon in the room. Uh... <laughs> Has it ever bothered you to be tall or have you enjoyed it? Oh, I've always loved being tall. Um, I feel like it gives an advantage. Um, I feel like so I didn't really necessarily, I know we're going to go into this later, but I didn't necessarily know that I was dominant. So I thought that I was like just a leader. So I felt like being tall adds to the leadership skills. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I really loved it. I did modeling growing up. I, you know, I've done a lot of fetish modeling. I've done sports my whole life that needed to be tall for. So I've pretty much loved it. First time you ever had a kink scene and your reaction to it? Professionally or personally? I'll take both. Okay. 
Hmm. So professionally, um, so I wasn't the main dominant in this scene. I had actually been sort of auditioning for a space and a dominatrix house. And um, they said, I want you to sit on the side and I want you to watch and, you know, see if you really enjoy this work before doing it. And, you know, I had permission to come in if I wanted to. And they just said, you should just sit and enjoy it and kind of be like voyeuristic and just watch. And I'm not really the watching type. <laughs> I saw how much fun they were having. So I just joined in and it was very, very, very natural. And um, I really liked the reactions that the bottom had. So that was a huge turn on and really made me realize how much I wanted to be in this lifestyle and how much it was just a part of me and probably always has been. <laughs> how about and then, personally? And then personally, um, I was dating someone that was 12 years older than me at the time. Um, I was, so I wouldn't consider like high school stuff that I did in high school, really like a scene necessarily. I always teased my boyfriends and would hold them down and, you know, do, you know, tickling or just torturous things to them, but like more in like a fun, playful manner. And it never really was a scene. So I wouldn't consider that scenes, but I guess my first scene was my boyfriend. Like I said, he was 12 years older than me and, um, he, him and I decided to tie each other's hands together and we read um, the trilogy by Anne Rice, the Sleeping Beauty trilogy. I don't know if you know it, but it's super kinky <laughs> and really sexy. And he said to me, which I'm sure he had experience prior to me, but he said to me, you know, the whole rule is if you start reading this book and you get through the first chapter and if you're turned on, it means you're kinky. And if you're turned off, it means you're not kinky. Well, now I know that isn't true, but I was like, wow, this book is so hot. <laughs> we basically were tied to each other, like reading back and forth this book. And it was really, really, really sexy. So I would say that pretty much opened up my mind to kink, not just professionally, but personally. First time you realized that mindfulness was one of the keys to a good scene. Wow, that's a really good question. So I feel like I've always been a mindful person. I'm very intentional about what I do and don't do and my touch and what I say. I tend to really think about that before doing it. So I think I've always been mindful. I just don't think I realized that was the term for it or that that was really what I was doing. And I think the more I got into energy play and hypnosis and a lot of like mind fucking where it was more about playing with the mind than the body. I feel like that's when I went more into it, realizing that mindfulness is so important in all aspects of BDSM. But my scenes tend to be very transformational. So I like to really have some kind of, you know, eye-opening experience for people. So I think that was kind of when I realized that, like getting more into headspace type play. 
Speaking of headspace, <laughs> first time you had someone hypnotized, and what did you ask them to do? Oh, that's a good question. Okay, hold on. Let me think. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> so when I trained, when I was doing a lot of the training that I did, um, we had to hypnotize each other in school. So like, I would find like people that I was attracted to and I would pair up with them. <laughs> and so I would say like, then would have been like my first time really hypnotizing people. And it was cool because they were also hypnotizing as well. So it was like back and forth, which was really fun. I've never, I haven't done that since training, like sort of like a switchy hypnosis <laughs> play. <laughs> um, but I, I know one of the first things that I asked was for someone to, I do a thing now, it's more advanced obviously now, but I do stuff with bondage without ropes. So it's basically mental bondage. So I'll place hands where I want them and they can't move them from there. And you can watch them struggle and they're really like tensing to try and get out of that position and they can't. And that was like one of the first things that I did that I found like, oh my God, I'm using this all the time. <laughs> That sounds amazing, beautiful, and I'm um, a little bit mind blown flustered. right now. Are you so flustered? I, I am flustered and maybe blushing a little bit. Oh, maybe. I like that. <laughs> First time you had a transformational scene where you knew the person you were playing with was changed simply by doing it. I feel like I've had so many of them. I don't necessarily know what the first was, but I can give an example of one of my favorites. Is that I okay? I would love that. Okay. So um, there was this person that came into my life. Um, they've, they've been in my life for a really long time as a friend and they were very, they're still they're, they're definitely better now, but they were very, very, very unsure of their sexuality and gender. So they came to me and said, look, I want to pay you for a session. I know you're my friend, but I really want this experience and I want it done exactly like this. And in my personal life, I tend to play with people. I think that, um, they let me kind of go. They know my creativity. I know their limits. They trust me enough to just go. That's tends to be my personal. And I think they wanted things a certain exact way. So they said, let me hire you for this. Um, and so I basically, um, they were born a man and they wanted to transform fully into a woman. And so I did hypnosis on them. They wanted to be completely feminized. They wanted to be completely um, free of like all the inhibitions that they have. And they wanted to enjoy themselves as a woman and really see their body as a woman. Um, so I did tons of hypnosis. I did um, triggers, um, you know, for all different types of things. I basically, I did in saline infusion in their breasts and gave them double D breasts, um, which was really freaking hot. It was like one of the first times I ever did that. 
And so they were like shaking them around Mm -hmm. and stuff and, you know, jumping up and down and saying, oh my God, it feels so good to have this weight on my chest. Like, I feel like I needed this. Um, You know, I did some really fun things because it's titties, right? So... (laughs) So I like titty fucked them with my strap on, like, you know, I did some really fun stuff like that, but also, um, um, I did a whole entire, like they walked like a catwalk for me. They wore a bunch of different outfits, panties, lingerie, all different types of stuff. And I'm not going to go into the depths of like where this person was mentally. Cause I'm all about like, you know, not, you know, I don't want to tell the secrets of my clients, Mm -hmm. but, um, this person is in a career that they're not able to enjoy any of that kind of stuff. So for them to fully like embrace it and really be in the headspace and just be blissed out and really feeling like they're, you know, this gorgeous, um, you know, bimbo slut for me and, um, you know, a couple times during they were just crying, just looking in the mirror and just crying and touching their body and just, you know, saying, I can't believe this. This is always what I wanted. This is everything I ever dreamed of. And then I still, I mean, I'm friends with them still, but I still get letters all the time. Like you've changed me so much. Like you helped me realize who I really am. And then I can fully embrace that. And like, now they like dress differently not anything that I had done hypnosis wise. I just think they were able to feel so comfortable Mm -hmm. and be able to let, let go. You know, it was also the first time they ever tried bondage. So they were just like blissed out and kind of crying in bondage. Just, wow, this is exactly where I needed to be. So I've had a bunch of those kind of sessions, but that to me just felt so powerful and I know that they were changed forever. Just, you know, the, the connection, the aftercare that we had and like cuddling and them saying like, I've never felt so beautiful before. Just all these things that I know that they probably wouldn't have been able to do without me. I don't know. I know know that's a big story, but. (laughs) Great. I loved it. More (laughs) about the power, the beauty and the mindfulness of Miss McKenzie when we return. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes, Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress is available now on Kindle, and you can pre-order your copy at yesmistress.com. Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom but had no idea where to start? Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports. No, not the jet ski kind. And you really want to fulfill their fantasy, but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, 
is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. Everybody's got to start somewhere. And for Jean Bardot, that somewhere was pretty famous. It was called um, Sexorama. It was in the First Avenue nightclub here in Minneapolis. It was a Wednesday. And um, it was kind of an audition to be a performer every week for this Sexorama event. I lied about my age. I was underage. I had balls larger than life, I guess, at the time and just went for it. <laughs> the legendary Jean Bardot, December 14th on what women and other wonderful humans want. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. And now back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Welcome back to the show, joined by Miss McKenzie, professional dominatrix, certified erotic hypnotist, sexual wellness coach, lifestyle and adult industry mentor, and probably sells popcorn at halftime of some ball games if you allowed her to do so. <laughs> you do a lot of things. Where did it all start? So it started... Like, you mean my professional career mm -hmm. all in? Okay, so I was, um, don't do this, but I was underage. <laughs> I was in a club and I was underage. And the madam of a pro-dom house approached me um, in the club and said, you look unbelievably dominant and people can't stop staring at you. I have to hire you. And I was like, okay, this lady's weird. Okay. And, um, said, you know, I'd really, I'd really like you to come check out my space and handed me a business card and then walked away. So I took it to my friends. I was like, this is awesome. What is this? And people were like, people are always coming up to you with weird, with like strange things. I'm like, yeah, I guess like, you know, that's what happens when you're, I don't know. I was like alternative and I've always lived a very strange life, sort of hippie-ish. So I feel like stuff like that happened to me frequently. <laughs> um, but I went in to the place and like I told you, I went and sat down and well, I called and said, I, I would be interested to come, you know, check out and see what it's about. Mm -hmm. And she says, Oh, someone's coming in for a session. I'd like you to sit in on it. And I, without hesitation said, absolutely. <laughs> you have always had a background. You mentioned sports, but I also know you have a theatrical background. I do. When it comes to, wonderful kink and wonderful scenes. I believe that there are totally aspects of not only performing like you might in a play, but improv, as well as a certain kind of charisma that you have to have, especially if you're a dominant. How did you know you had that? So I've done theater my whole entire life. 
Um, I went to school for music theater and um, music education. So I've always had that in me, the theater type and acting and stuff like that. I thought that I really like being on a stage. I feel like I'm a, I'm a Leo and I feel like I fit that to a T. <laughs> I like to be the center of attention without like calling myself to it. I like to be it. Um, so I feel like it's always been a thing for me, but it, I've always added it into like my relationships and my kink. Like I like role play. I like um, taboo type dark role play. I like stuff where I get to be like a whole nother person <laughs> mm -hmm. and be able to enjoy it. And I like the flow that happens with it. Cause I used to do a lot of improv type stuff. So I'm really good at like in a session if someone's like, um, you know, say I'm doing like a kidnapping session or something mm -hmm. and, you know, a kidnapping role play and abduction. And they're like, oh, and they kind of fall out of it. Like I play with that. I'll be like, oh, so like, you're not really that badass that you thought you were like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it's definitely benefited me in the pro dom world. <laughs> and also like being an educator, I feel like when you, like I teach at events with thousands of people you know, and being able to feel confident, I guess, quote unquote, on stage performing. I do a lot of like, you know, performances, whether it's rope bondage or medical or um, humiliation, like different types of stuff like that. I feel like my performances, it aids in that because I'm an exhibitionist, which I mm. learned through doing theater. <laughs> kind of goes full circle <laughs> you talked about the education that you do and you've done it not only at academic places like universities you've done it on a cruise line you've done it at different conventions what was the most interesting place you've given a uh, a seminar and what was the reaction to it so honestly probably the cruise that I was on <laughs> because they had a dungeon on this cruise which is the most awesome thing ever all done all cruises should have it <laughs> and so I was like the mistress of this dungeon and performing it so it's it was a swinger cruise okay um so not my typical um, group of people that I hang around, but I liked being able to give a lot of safety tips and information that they wouldn't see any other place and explain to them about consent, <laughs> which was a big part of my uh, being there and what that meant. Um, so that was really fascinating. Um, especially when like, I'm in the middle of teaching and people are like having sex, like in the audience. So it's kind of hard to concentrate when there's some really sexiness going on in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> Brings a whole new meaning to the love boat. Right, exactly. So that was, that was super fun. It also, um, we were in the middle of the ocean, um, on our way to Haiti and uh, we went through a giant tropical storm. So all we see is the waves <laughs> just going nuts. And um, I'm, I get motion sickness, oh or at least I didn't realize I got motion sickness until that moment. <laughs> so 
that was very fascinating to do um, sadistic play and then have to say, I'm sorry, you need to hold on one second. I need to lay down on this ground in the dungeon. <laughs> Everybody was just like, whoa. All I'm picturing is somebody in suspension swinging back and forth from a rope rig. <laughs> basically. But honestly, basically. And I was like, this seems really bad. Like having this happen, you know, stuff that goes on in dungeons, you know, whether it's sharps or something like, you know, rope or something that's like, inherently dangerous mm -hmm. <laughs> with the boat rocking as much as it was was um interesting fun but interesting <laughs> what's the most important class you teach that's a really tough question i feel like one of the like the basis of my classes all have a safety element talking about all types of safety ways to play with whatever topic I'm talking about, um, consent and how that works, negotiations and how that works and with that type of play, and then aftercare and what that looks like with that type of play. So I feel like all of that's really important, but I also teach a class. There's two classes, if I can say two, is that okay? That's great. <laughs> okay. So one is um, how to spot and avoid predators in the scene. I think that that's really important and it's not just dominance that are predators. <laughs> People don't realize it's switches, it's submissives, it's slaves. Like it, anybody can be a predator and slash energy vampire slash whatever you want to call that. So I think that that's really important. And I, a lot of new people tend to take that and find that some of the things that they were doing were problematic and they change that behavior, realizing mm -hmm. that that wasn't, really the way BDSM or the kink lifestyle should work. So I think that that's really, really, really important. I wish more people would do that, especially newbies. Mm -hmm. And then my other class would be, um, I teach a goddess class and it's not genderized, but it's basically about um, a lot of, particularly women, they don't prioritize their pleasure and they don't prioritize like me time, self-care, all that kind of stuff. And being able to honor yourself and realizing that you're important, you're a goddess, you deserve to be worshiped and, you know, all of that kind of stuff and really taking on that and what that means, because I've had a lot, a lot, a lot of people go to that class and are crying during just like, wow, I found myself, I found my power. I wouldn't have been able to do it without you. Like this class changed everything for me. And I give like exercises during it that really are empowering and I feel like people leave there, even people who have like the lowest self-esteem leave there and say like, wow, I'm really feeling myself. This is the first time ever I've really felt myself. So I'd say those two classes, they're not massively kink related, but I think that they're two classes that I tend to have that people, I get the most messages afterwards of how much it helped them. I have to speak totally honestly and say, I wish I could take the second one. You can. And I'm sure I can. And I'm sure I would like to do that because you sure can. especially with some of my recent writings, um, talking about 
finding myself, becoming my genuine self, loving myself. Because I have had, and my listeners know this, I had a long marriage, which was verbally abusive. It was kink shaming. It was, why aren't you doing enough for me? As opposed to actually realizing that I was enough. My heart Uh, goes out to you. I'm so sorry. And I, I appreciate that. The thing that brings me joy is the fact that all the qualities that you just talked about are things that so many people can be helped with. So many people don't realize just what they have. In my case, it's kindness. And people say, there's no way a cis male can be this kind. It's impossible. Yet I prove them wrong many times. I think that it's not impossible. I think that it's rare. Yes. You're a rare gem. We like you in this world. We want you in this world. (laughs) But people will think it's too good to be true. Yeah, I could see that. Everybody always has an angle. Everybody wants something. What if we want to give to you? So I want to make the transition from that to mindfulness. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I discovered that mindfulness was the key to allowing me to take all of this in, especially during scenes where I go back and write about each scene that I participate in, because that's my way of processing it. But when you are in a scene, how important is it to be totally connected, not only if you're on the top, but if you're on the bottom as well. I feel like there's definitely some people who sort of dissociate when they play, especially when they bottom, um, that it might be some form of therapy, some Mm -hmm. form of catharticism, some form of something to get over or work through that's bothering them. So it's really hard to say like mindfulness. I think that you should always be upfront and having a frank conversation and negotiations prior to talk about where people's heads are at Mm -hmm. so that either one of the people or both aren't disappointed. Like I always like to say to someone when I go to play with them, what's the mood you're looking to achieve? People forget that. It isn't just about like, you know, what objects I'm going to use on you or what can't be done. It's like, what, how do you want to feel? This is about mental too. That's one of the most like greatest things about BDSM. So I tend to say like, what is the mood you're looking to achieve? Which means like, if someone is saying like, look, I really need a cathartic scene. Mm -hmm. I don't know how fully connected I'm going to be, but I really feel like I need to cry or scream or get that emotion out. That's, you know, I want you to find that in me and I want you to bring that out to me. I don't know if I'm going to feel so unbelievably like heart to heart connected to somebody, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense with that kind of scene. So I feel like it's really important to go through what people are looking for and what their expectations are for the scene. Um, But if you're having some type of thing, like you're trying to be closer to dominant, submissive, whatever you want to call the person that you're playing with, Mm -hmm. 
I think saying, I would like this to be a very connected scene. I do, I tend to do things. This is one of the things I do as a top and a dom to play, to help mindfulness occur. I'll, I'll play certain music. So I'll have like a playlist together to create the mood and the connection that I'm looking to achieve. I have things like, um, I'll do like eye contact, um, like restrictions and things like that. Like, I want you to keep your eyes on me at all times, no matter what I do, your eyes don't ever go off of me. Like, that's certainly a way to stay connected and mindful, like mm -hmm. together to be in an energy space together. Um, you know, and I also like to do things where I don't go for long periods of time without touch in some capacity. So even if the person is fully bound and mummified, I'm going to touch in some way, whether it's their hair, whether it's, you know, laying on top of them so they feel my weight, anything like that, I feel like um, is ways for myself to keep you know, mindful about the situation. And then I know my submissive Parker, when she does, you know, she does a lot of submissive uh, mentoring and stuff like that. And she talks to people and submissive slash bottoms about um, staying connected and seen and being able to process what's happening, whether it's like the pain or the sensations or pleasure and being able to process it and still be in the moment and not like loot it's not that you can't lose your head or go into subspace because it's all, it's what we all want is mm -hmm. for top space and subspace to happen, you know, mm -hmm. or at least most people do, I should say. So um, I like to say that you kind of not keep one foot on the ground, but you're still aware of what's happening. You're still able to connect back into it and not stay. Like um, I used to watch this person play. Um, I enjoyed them. They were a heavy masochist but they basically sat on a bench, like bent over on a bench and they would do get impact on them. That was like one of their kinks. Mm -hmm. And they would sit with headphones in and a pillow. So basically they'd be like all in their own head and not connected to the top at all. Mm -hmm. And so I remember having a conversation with them and saying like, how are you able to connect with your top when that happens? And she's like, oh, no, this is the way that I play. I like to, you know, go into my own space and not feel connected. And so that, so like, that's why I try not to judge. Like, as long as people are aware of it and that there's some kind of, I don't know, mutual discussion about what it means and what their head spaces are going into. I like to, for people to be able to go where they want to go as long as it's talked about. Cause I feel like if I talk to someone and said, I want a really mindful energy connected scene and they put headphones in and a pillow and laid down, I would think I was doing something completely wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's never happened to me before, but I would totally think there was something wrong. <laughs> so we go from the mindfulness to playing with the mind as far as hypnosis is concerned. This subject fascinates me. I've never been able to experience it. I have tried uh, through just files to see if I can get myself to go into trance, but I have never had the one-to-one -one basis to be able to have that ultimate connection <laughs> right there, because that is a connection where you do not realize that all parts of your mind have now officially connected with the other person, because sometimes it happens without you knowing it. Absolutely. Explain to me 
for those of us who have trouble getting into trance or feeling like they can't get into trance, what is the hope for us? What are we able to look forward to if we finally learn to let go? So it's not uncommon that you're, that you're having trouble doing it with audios or, you know, like files from people. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing is, this is one of the most intense types of play. The reason I say this is because you are letting someone in fully and completely in your subconscious, your conscious mind, all of the above to tinker with it as they will. And so with that being said, you have to fully trust the person that you are going under with. And a lot of people have trouble with that. It's much easier if someone's in front of you, they've talked it out with you, discuss what they're going to do. You know, I tend to, um, you know, give some examples of triggers that I can put into someone that could come out the other side. Like, for instance, I may say, um, here are some examples, you know, I would like you to be able to come when I snap my fingers, is that an interest of yours? And they would be like, yes, most people would say yes. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, oh, I'd like to be able to to do a signal and you shut up and you're not able to speak. Like you're literally not able to speak. Something about that's just really sexy to me. Um, But, you know, I'll give these examples and then I'll pick from them. So during the time, it's like they don't know exactly what I'm going to be using as a trigger, but they have an idea and they've already okayed things. So that's my way of getting consent and then also still surprising them mm-hmm. and having, you know, some fun with it. But it, it is sometimes very difficult for people who have a hard time trusting, you know, you have a background you were saying with your ex and stuff like that, which caused probably some mistrust I'm not trying to therapize you or anything like that, but all good. Something like that could hinder the process. So it would mean maybe building a relationship with a hypno domain, Mm -hmm. if that's what you were looking towards and starting small. The other thing is there's ways that you can practice on your own without having someone there. So practicing um, meditation, So practicing um, guided meditation. So they're like on YouTube, you can just get Mm -hmm. a guided meditation and, and being able to imagine yourself in those spaces where they're guiding you and being able to do that helps build that muscle, I would say. Mm -hmm. And um, there's, you know, the thing is with hypnosis, it's endless, right? There is no blocks to it. There, anything is possible. That's another thing that tends to scare people. Like, oh crap, what are they going to have me do? You know, people typically go, well, the stage magician has people quacking like a duck. And it's like, well, that's not real. Like, it's not that it isn't real. It's just like, that's not what, I guess, erotic hypnosis is for. Mm-hmm. So... I think sometimes it takes a little bit of time for people to get used to it. And then the other thing is some people have expectations in their head of what they think hypnosis is. Mm -hmm. And 
there's lots of myths surrounding it. You know, people thinking, oh, well, I'm going to go under, I'm going to be asleep and I'm not going to know anything you're saying. And that's completely opposite. You're actually more aware of your surroundings. You're actually more alert and more like paying way more attention to what I'm saying than you would if you weren't. So people have ideas of what they think it is, whether it's from movies or media or whatever, thinking that hypnosis is a certain way and it's completely not. So. I can I, almost see yeah. where there would be situations where between role play and hypnosis, you could create a scenario that is one of a kind and mind blowing. Yes. <laughs> I love how your eyebrow just went straight up going, hmm, what can I think of here? <laughs> Do you have you an example of something like that? I can tell you one of the craziest things I did with hypnosis. Um, <laughs> it's so cute and funny. Um, so I was teaching an event and I was teaching hypnosis for an event. And, um, you know, I had been putting people under doing all kinds of stuff. I had my partner orgasm, the snap of fingers, um, all kinds of crazy stuff. And then I said, I'm going to make this random. And I want someone in the, I want people in the audience to raise their hand and tell me a scenario of what you want me to do to my demo bottom. And so people were like, you know, saying all types of stuff. And then this one person raised their hand. I said, I was like, yeah, you. And they said, I would like you to act like to hypnotize her to believe she was abducted by aliens and that she was being probed and having the best sex of her life. I was like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. And, um, I had audience participation that came in that were already friends and play partners of ours. So it was okay. Mm -hmm. And joined in and was touching her and, and, you know, doing all these things to her. And then I said at the end, I want whenever you see them for the rest of the weekend for you to giggle and know that they gave you the best orgasm of your life, these aliens. And so the whole weekend, she just would, they'd walk around the corner and she'd be like, <laughs> Like, you know, giggling and like, you know, she's like, ooh, like, you know, my pussy's tingling. They walked by and my pussy tingled. <laughs> but it was really fun. And she was like, oh, my God, that was like the craziest, wildest experience because she saw all of us as aliens. <laughs> How we were touching her. We had like suction cups for hands. Like she was like, it was the wildest thing that I've ever encountered. And everyone in the audience was like, wow, this is awesome. The class was making like the impossible possible with hypnosis. So I had to do something crazy and wild, but the fact that the whole weekend she was like, oh my God, those aliens were amazing. <laughs> they made me feel so good. <laughs> if the aliens will bring us back, we'll have more with Miss McKenzie when we return. <laughs> Hi, I'm Venus. I've been sharing my love for this beautiful relationship dynamic for, well, years now. And I am beyond thrilled 
to announce that finally there's a matchmaking service for single women and single men who want a loving, cuckolding relationship. It's called Venus Connections. It's a personalized matchmaking service and three-week educational program that's safe, private, and individualized for what you want. Women, you no longer need to endure the headache of filtering through blank profiles and dealing with online creeps. And men, you can stop wasting time on those fake profiles and women with all sorts of ulterior motives. Venus Connections works for you to find what you want. You can learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. You deserve the relationship of your dreams. Hi, this is Jane Boone, the author of the novel Edge Play. It's a revenge fantasy where the big short meets 50 shades of gray. Only the women wield the whips and the billionaires submit. You can find it at Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle. And be sure to check out my episode with Tara Indiana right here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you. Hi, this is Rachel Leadham, aka The Conscious Masochist. I'm an author and sadomasochism integration mentor who encourages the mindful exploration of your dark side. I offer astrological birth chart readings to interpret your sadomasochistic blueprint through the clues found within your chart. You can learn more about my work, including the ebook Conscious Masochism, at my website, www.rachelleadham.com, and join us on Instagram at The Conscious Masochist. And be sure to check out my episode in the archives of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Hello, I'm Jesse Sage from Peep Show Media. Peep Show Media is a multimedia magazine bringing news and stories from the sex industry. Be sure to check out our website at peepshowmedia.com for essays, porn reviews, events, interviews, news stories, and more. Also, make sure to listen to our podcast, The Peep Show Podcast, anywhere you get podcasts. And for a bit more of a personal glance into my life, make sure to check out my January 15th interview on what women and other wonderful humans want. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please, remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky, joined by the Philadelphia-based Miss McKenzie. Philadelphia, home of some great cheesesteaks and home of uh, amazing fans in every sport, that's for sure. You don't ever want to mess with a Philadelphia fan. Very true. We talked about hypnosis earlier in the episode, and... Hypnosis goes so much further than just being something for eroticism. The fact is, hypnosis can help people in all sorts of different ways. I understand that that's something that is very part, very much a part of what you do as well. Yeah. So um, even people who don't see me for pro session, sessions, who see me for mentor sessions, I work with them on self-esteem and being less, you know, 
you know, in a lot of people are inhibited because of, you know, religion or their past or whatever, you know, any of those things. So I feel like being able to help people be more authentically themselves, accept them for who they are, Mm -hmm. um, feel beautiful, feel great about themselves, attract more love into their life, have more self-love. I work with people that have erectile dysfunction problems and they're cured after me. Mm. I mean, I think that that's magic, Mm -hmm. you know, or people who didn't have a sex drive before me and I did some hypnosis and now they are all types of fun with their partners. (laughs) (laughs) I also, one of the things that I think is really interesting that I've added in is I tend to get partners. I get a lot of couples Mm -hmm. for sessions and one partner's into one thing and the other partners is not, or there's judgment from the other partner that Mm -hmm. has of the person who has that kink or that interest. And I can help the partner be into that. And that makes for more harmonious relationships. (laughs) And a lot of positivity. I mean, I, Obviously it's done with extreme caution and consent, but I can help someone be more poly instead Mm -hmm. of monogamous. I can help some things that a lot of actual hypnotherapists won't touch, but I will. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that can happen with hypnosis. Isn't it ironic that the whole premise of hypnosis at least what I'm seeing is to get you out of your own head Absolutely. because w- most of the time, if not all of the time, we are the only ones holding ourselves back from doing things. Absolutely. So basically I tell people when I'm hypnotizing them or before hypnotizing them, like they are doing the work. I am the guide you know, you are doing this, but I am the guide taking you where you need to go and making sure you're going in the right direction. So if, if you're not, if you don't, um, you know, actually believe in it or you're doing it just to go along with the motions, um, you know, it may not work. Like the thing is, it's, it's, I've never found someone I couldn't hypnotize. I will say that. Even the most analytical, overthinking brain goes right under for me. Um, it's not a bragging thing. It's, it's, you know, the many years of doing it for so long and the many different ways that I can put someone under. Um, but I think that it's, it, it's really cool when it happens, especially someone who's like, you can't put me under. No one's been able to put me under. It like is like a challenge for me. <laughs> Even when you're not doing hypnosis, the ability to be a guide, especially when it comes to BDSM, is so essential. Absolutely. Where did you learn that part of Mm -hmm. your ability to guide? Was it always inherent as being a leader? Was it always inherent of being the statuesque person that you are? Or was it something that just was natural to you? Hmm. It's a good question. So I feel like I've always guided people. I feel like even prior to me being in sex work, I 
people came to me for advice with their relationships, with their sex, with um, their jobs. Like I've always kind of been a life coach, but just didn't get paid for it. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think I, I have a genuine like empathic side and I want to help people and I want people to live better lives. It makes me feel better. And I feel grateful to be able to do what I do. So I think it just, it's my passion. I, I enjoy making people's lives and sex lives and kink lives just that much more amazing. So I think it was inherently in me, but it's also a passion of mine. So I put a lot of effort and energy into helping people. This show talks about people being their authentic self. And in some cases, when I do interviews, it's trying to remove the character from the human, especially when you talk about fetish models or you talk about actresses. And sometimes when you talk about prodoms, because there's the prodom side and then there's just the everyday person. Right. We're, just a, human. We're human, just like everybody else. But I was <laughs> going to say with you, I don't see there being a lot of difference because there just is. in the conversation we've had, I think Miss McKenzie <laughs> is just you. Yeah. I mean, my whole, my whole life, like my, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm in a personal, like 24 seven DS relationship. My submissive lives with me. Um, I have a consider a person that I'm considering that's with me. I have, um, a male slave that's in my stable. Like I, it's my life. I live it. And it, it does feel very authentic. Like I, most of my friends are kinky, like even friends of mine from like college and stuff. Like I've helped them be out of their shell and kinky as well. <laughs> I'd like to think that. So I feel like it is my life. Like I, I, I don't necessarily, like I'm obviously not glitz and glam all the time. None of us are. And if they say that they are, then I don't know. Good for them, I guess. <laughs> but like, you know, even in a 24 seven dynamic, like I still have off time myself and my submissive, like we lay on the couch, we cuddle, we watch movies, like not all the time is like this formal power exchange going on all of the time. I mean, that would be wonderful if that could be all the time, but like, that's not realistic. We're I'm, I'm still a human and I still have, you know, needs of my own and and time that I need to recharge my batteries and stuff like that so but yeah I live it all the time my family knows what I do they're very 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 supportive all of my friends know what I do they're very supportive so it's it is pretty much my life all the time <laughs> I know there are some passions that we haven't talked about yet and one of them is a podcast that you do because you like to combine different parts of your lifestyle and bring it together as one. Tell us about that. Um, the podcast is called Kink Intimacy and Cannabis Lounge. And I think 
my thoughts were, it will give me a chance. Well, we started it during quarantine. <laughs> so it gave I think me a lot a, of us did. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like a chance to like connect with kinky people and be around like people who we love and, and have conversations that are deep and exciting, but also fun. And we, we stopped, go, you know, Parker and I, my submissive go to events. Like we used to go to events like twice a month like very long events and going from that to absolutely nothing is um, talk about a drop. <laughs> so being able to, you know, start that and being able to have conversations um, with that. And also we're huge cannabis activist, act, you know, activists for it, mm -hmm. advocates for it. And um so being able to combine a lot of it, you know, I've taught a lot of classes on cannabis and kink and how to do it safely. My thought is, and I know that it's taboo, but my thought is if people are going to do it, regardless of what we say, people are going to find things to do that might be inherently dangerous and finding ways for them to do it as safe as possible and giving them the tools to be able to do that, to do it as safe as possible. I, and going on, going like full force head on with it. You know, it's being legalized in so many states now and people are doing it for a myriad of reasons, whether it's recreational or medicinal. So being able to combine it all and being able to do it, um, you know, I do a lot of like, uh, like, ma like sex magic, a bunch of that kind of stuff. And I use cannabis reg in, in regards to that. So I've kind of brought it to my kink in certain circumstances. Like there's definitely certain play I won't do with kink <laughs> and shouldn't be done with, with, um, you know, with cannabis, mm -hmm. but, um, there's, you know, sensation play, there's all type of stuff where cannabis just brings things even makes things even more intense and much more sensation based and all the lovey dovey feels and connectedness and everything. So for you able to do it harmoniously like that without having, you know, without doing serious type of play, when I say serious, I mean like you shouldn't be doing like needle play with smoking cannabis or like suspension with cannabis, like all these things that are like really terrifying if something happened. Mm -hmm. Um, but I really like joining it all together. And then the other thing is intimacy because people talk a lot a bit about like sex, right? Like sex is so important. Sex is important in kink and all these things. And I don't think it has to be a part of kink at all. I think intimacy and intimacy doesn't have to be sex. Intimacy is connecting with partners, connecting with friends, connecting with people on a mindful level and being able to do it where it could be doing a question game together. It could be laying and talking about what your future looks like, all those kind of things and being able to see it in a different eyes than just like sex and what sex can do for you or orgasms or any of those kind of things that there's more to it than that. And, you know, there are people in the kink lifestyle who are asexual or demisexual or any one of those things. So being able to talk about it in a way where it doesn't necessarily have to revolve around sex. I couldn't agree with you more. Would you like to give the folks a good 
I guess, uh, summation of the best ways to follow you and reach you. Sure. Um, I actually just started a Patreon a couple weeks ago and I'm adding a bunch of stuff to that. So basically it has like all kinds of, um, you know, perks for signing up and, you know, um, I have a new dungeon, so you can rent my dungeon, um, you know, that I have on this Patreon is one of the things if, you know, you sign up, you can get, um, I make kinky toys. So that's on there as well. You get like, you can get like perks with free toys and stuff like that. So my Patreon is, um, just patreon.com slash Miss McKenzie. Make sure you spell it M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-E-E. Um, and my website is missmckenzie.com. My Twitter is Miss McKenzie at Miss McKenzie. And my Instagram is miss.mckenzie because Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Personal branding 101. Get your name. It works every time. Yeah. But on my website, I have all different types of stuff on there to do and to join. And my podcast is through there. My toys are through there. My dungeons through there. So you can see everything on there. I have taken a look at the website. It's very, very comprehensive. And it really shows a history of what you've done with the pictures that are flying through. I've had it up here while we've been talking. And it's like, well, here's a history of Miss McKenzie. (laughs) I did it all myself. So thank you. (laughs) Well done, you. Thank you. I have absolutely loved every moment of this, and you didn't have to You're hypnotize wonderful. me to say that. You're wonderful. <laughs> well, I always appreciate people who understand that sex is not the most important part of kink. The mindfulness is and the, and the feeling of being there for each other. I think that's something that you and I agree on and why I just could not wait to do this particular podcast because I knew that that was something that you take great joy in is just the, the beautiful journey that we can take together. And uh, anybody who gets to take that journey with you, I am extremely envious of because they are very, very lucky humans. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for giving me this platform. I love learning about things I don't know a lot about. And Miss McKenzie is a person after my own heart, especially with her concentration on mindfulness and how important that is in BDSM and kink. Next week on the show, it is a return as Lee Harrington, the trailblazing educator, joins us for another visit. The last time he was on the show, it was an amazing journey. This time, I expect nothing different. And that'll do it for this time. I'm John, also known as Hi There, Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time, and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. 
This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.